Hey, welcome back to the Next Peak Podcast. I am your co-host, Clint Herndon, and I am with my good friend, Dr. Parker Houston, calling in through Zoom because we can only sometimes get into the studio. (laughs) Hey, it's episode number 34, Mentors Help You Climb Higher and Go Faster. In this episode, we're going to talk about what is a mentor, how do you identify and connect with one, and how do you leverage that relationship once you've built it? So, Mr. Houston, Dr. Parker Houston, how are you today? I'm doing great. Um, Normally, we record in the morning, so this afternoon one is like throwing me off. I'm usually coming off like a good coffee buzz, got lots of energy, so I'm going to have to like you know, sit up a little taller and up my energy level for this afternoon session, this Friday afternoon. Um, but I'm glad to be here and I'm, I'm really thrilled to be talking about this um, topic of mentors because if you are like me, um, for those people listening, you may not have had a lot of mentors early on in your life or maybe not at all or maybe not yet. And Clint, as you and I have talked, mentors are such a powerful force to have in your life. They're such an important piece of who we are. You know, we all carry around little pieces and voices of like our parents and important influential people in our lives. And without the right mentors, we won't reach our potential. We will not become the people that we really want to be. And so we're go- I'm going to start with a story, a powerful illustration of how this impacted my life. So uh, many years ago, I won't say when because I'll be dating, people will be able to predict my precise age. Uh, but many years ago, I was, uh, went off to college in Seattle. So I left California and I thought, I'm g- going to go away on my own. This is going to be a good time. So I headed off in my 1978 Jeep that I had. My dad and I packed this thing up. We drove 800 miles um, from Sacramento to Seattle. We did that many, many times as I went up there. And one of the cool things I got out of the Pacific Northwest, other than being depressed and uh, having, you know, 11 months out of the year be very gloomy and wet, um, was the love of rock climbing. So I had a couple guys in my dorm that introduced me to rock climbing And so I came back and I completed school in Santa Barbara at Westmont College. And I didn't know anyone down there, but I loved climbing. And now it was sunny uh, 12 months out of the year and we got almost no rain. So it enabled me to uh, climb a lot more. So my passion was growing for rock climbing. And I thought I've got to find some people to climb with. So I posted some ads on rockclimbing.com and uh, started looking to climb with some climbing partners. And eventually I met this guy named Tom and he was a firefighter. The guy was probably 20 years older than I was, but he was a phenomenal rock climber. I mean, he was far better than I was. And for some reason he was still willing to go rock climbing with me and kind of teach me what he knew. And if you know anything about climbing, rock climbing is not an easy sport to just like go out and get into on your own. The consequences are fairly significant. You know, you need to trust the person that you're with. You got to know what you're doing. And one of the things that I wanted to do was trad climbing. And so trad or traditional climbing is where you actually take these pieces of gear, cams, nuts, hexes, if anyone's listening that is in the rock climbing world, 
And you have to stick these things into the cracks and crevices and uh, the nooks and crannies of the rock in order to prevent you from falling down the face of the rock. And so you have to put, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 pieces of gear into the rock. And you don't want to just go out and like try to figure that out on your own. You you can't really watch YouTube. You need to go with someone that really knows what they're doing. (laughs) I see that you're laughing. Yeah, that's pretty good. You definitely don't want to make a mistake with uh, with that on your own. No, it's like you can read these rock climbing books and uh, yeah, am I actually putting this this piece of gear in the rock the right way? I don't know. I don't want to rely on something I'm trying to think of that I read two weeks ago. So, um, so I met this guy, Tom. He was a firefighter. The guy was in incredible shape. He was an amazing climber. His technique was fantastic. And he was a person that taught me traditional climbing. And so what we would do is we would get to the rock and he would go up um, to the top and then I would follow him up to the top. And as I followed him, I did what's called cleaning the route, which means that I'm pulling out every single piece of gear that he put into the rock face. And as I'm doing that, I get to see what did he do? How did he place it? What angle did he use? How far in the crack did this piece of gear go? And so I got to look at every single piece of gear as I cleaned it, and then when we would rappel back down and do the route again, he'd say, okay, now you do it. And so I would get to, um, after watching him, I would get to go through and place each piece of gear. And then he would follow me up and he would critique each placement saying like, you know, this one looks good. Uh, you're going to die if you place it like this. So don't place it like this, <laughs> you know, low pressure, things like that. Um, and so it was amazing on this climbing journey that I had to have someone, this climbing mentor that was critiquing what I was doing, showing me what to do. And the bottom line here is he gave me a powerful visual example for what to do. And even just watching his technique and climbing up, he would navigate parts of the rock that I didn't see things that I was just too inexperienced to see it. And so today we're going to kind of use this idea of mentors help you to climb higher and go faster than you would on, than we would go naturally on our own. Yeah. And like you said, something like uh, rock climbing is one of those things where you don't, you can't really afford to make a mistake by, by learning on your own. Uh, But it's funny how we can frame that because it truly is life and death, but we maybe don't give the same weight to other areas in our life because we're not, physically hanging from a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. So um, uh, one of the quotes that I love by John Maxwell uh, is he says that the first rule or the first law of leadership is that people do what people see. So if we don't see something, like I've talked to other high level leaders that say, if, if another manager is following a leader, another business leader is following another leader, they, they sometimes only do what they saw their boss do because that was the only example that they had to follow. And this can apply to parenting, obviously, like we do often do what our parents do. And so anyone that's a parent, um, we really want to be thinking about our kids are going to do more of what we do than what we say. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think you're going to talk to us about, why don't you share, what are some of the risks and benefits 
of having mentors in our life, the risks of not having one or the benefits of having a mentor. Yeah, it's funny. We were talking about this before the show and, and the risks of not having one is, is simply the opposite of the benefits of having one. But the, the ideas that we came up with are that your upside is limited, right? So using your climbing example, if, if you uh, don't have a mentor that teaches you these things, you don't want to go scale the face of El Capitan or Half Dome with these, you know, half-baked ideas of what you think is successful rock climbing. It, you've got to have somebody that, that's going to take you there. But I, so I think it puts a limit on you. And if we take it out of the physical realm and, th- and talk about parenting or, uh, you know, relationships, being a husband, being a wife, I think you're, you're limited in what you can bring to the table. And the, the true risk is that your perception of reality starts to be off. And what I mean by that is if you don't look for people who do things better than you, then you start to think that you do things the best. Mm-hmm. Start, if, it's very easy to get in the trap of, gosh, I am the best boss. I am the best father. I am the best husband. I am the best whatever, archer, runner, rock climber, uh, you're into mountain biking. You know, if you only mountain bike by yourself, you could think, gosh, I'm the best mountain biker on the planet. But when you get around somebody who's, who's a mentor and you can learn from them and glean from them, it starts to put reality into perspective. And you realize, gosh, this person is so good with their kids. And I think I'm a pretty good dad, but I, gosh, I could really learn some better techniques of parenting. Or you get around an amazing husband who is just fantastic with his wife and you go, gosh, I can glean something from that. So I think the danger of not having them either as a formal mentor or an informal relationship is I I think you, you build a bubble around yourself and you start to become really impressed with yourself. At least in my experience, personal experience, I'll, I'll just flat out admit it. That's happened in my life where I'm like, golly gee, I'm so good at this particular thing until I get around somebody who's actually really good at it. And I go, Ooh, not so good. Not, I, I need some humbling here. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this because um, I don't think I know the exact psychological term, but there's this idea of accurate self appraisal. So of course we don't want to compare ourselves to the level where we're actively beating ourselves up and rendering ourselves kind of uh, disabled from uh, shame or something like that. But we do want to uh, know in terms of skill or business, like it's great to know what other people out there on a high level, what is it that they're doing? Because sometimes there's this level available to us that we didn't even know existed, whether it be like, I love that you're comparing it to being a better husband or a better dad, because that's part of the mission of our message here. Um, but also the workplace or even in, in athletics. I mean, athletics and, and sports like climbing or mountain biking or any sport is a great example of that. So um, one yeah, of my colleagues, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you talked about um, kind of in a culture and an organization, if you don't have good mentors to learn from, you just start to learn from the people around you. And And I've worked in an environment like that where, nobody ever stopped to think like, are we doing it the best way or is there another way? It just continued to be the way things were always done. And the problem with that is it was really dysfunctional leadership, but it just kept getting passed down. So if you're, if you're lacking a mentor, 
that has a healthy perspective, then you have no choice but to learn from the people around you. And, uh, and that culture kind of creates a funnel that then creates the same culture <laughs> and the legacy is a really bad culture. Yeah. And I I think I once heard, it might've been Rick Warren, something I heard from Rick Warren, who said that um, the definition of wisdom is to be able to learn these things without, sometimes without making the mistakes that people had to learn in order to get there. And so what he meant by that was when you have a mentor you can, you have the, we have the opportunity to learn from all the mistakes that they made over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and maybe not make all those same mistakes ourselves. And I I just love that definition of wisdom, that it's really about um, picking up the wisdom of the generations that have gone before us and not being, like you said, so egotistical and maybe, uh, just believing that we have all the the right answers without seeking the wisdom of older generations. So when you think about a mentor, um, or I guess when we think about this picture of a mentor, we sometimes think that that person has to have all of the aspects of life. And is that true or do, is it okay to have different mentors in your life? Yeah, you know, I think I I definitely fell into this trap of thinking I had to find the one perfect mentor for a long time. And we're going to talk more about that towards the end. But I probably dropped some mentors early on, like throughout the baby with the bathwater, where I could have learned a lot because this person had skill in one particular area, but I was kind of looking for them to be perfect in every area. So I love your question. Because I think it's, I know you're passionate about this too, that it's really important for us to uh, have different kinds of mentors for different things. So you might have a business mentor, you might have a marriage mentor, you might have a spiritual mentor, um, you may have an athletic mentor. And I, what about you? Have you had, what kinds of mentors have you had that have been powerful in your life? Yeah, I think, um, when I had Chris Hogan on the podcast, he actually talked about that, of how he figured out that there is no one person in the world that you want to be exactly like, because, you know, God created you uniquely. <laughs> You're not supposed to be a carbon copy of somebody else. So you look at somebody's parenting style and go, gosh, they've, they have a great way with their kids. I'd love to be, I'd love to learn from them. Uh, you, for me, you know, being in, in business as an entrepreneur, finding other business leaders and just saying, gosh, what are you doing that's working? Your mm-hmm. advertising is so spot on. How do I do that? You, how do you recruit such amazing people to your company? You know, those types of things. Um, how do I become, again, how do I become a better husband? I'm going to get around great husbands. Now, there might be some unique people. I think you've talked about Doug Barnett, who was on our our show uh, just last week, about how he's a mentor in so many aspects of life, you know, from business to, to parenting to impact in the community. Um, and there's some unique people like that. I think that, that have a lot to offer, but you, you don't have to zero in and think, okay, I got to learn everything from this person and there's no other perspective. In fact, I'd say that that's probably an unhealthy way to approach it. Yeah. And even, uh, both of us know Bud Lamb. He's been a powerful, uh, force in both of our lives. He's getting into his seventies and he is so passionate about working on his marriage every single day. And it's kind of initially, it was really weird to hear somebody that's, 
um, many years beyond me that's still, you know, wrestling with issues of marriage, still trying to get to know their wife and study their wife better. And that was just, you know, an amazing, it was really up leveling me is really raising my level. Like, wow, I really need to be doing more of this. And, and I need to be doing it for the long haul. So our big idea for people today is that it, without accessing a mentor, you are not tapping into this resource that's going to help you to climb higher and go faster. So mentors are vital, a vital part of life to get to kind of accelerate your game in many different areas. I'll mention my current coach too. She, she says that she's been in consulting and coaching for 25 years in the Bay Area. And she says that people often tell her like, oh, you got, I don't know how you got so lucky in your business or um, wow, I can't believe how, how much favor you've had. And she says, well, you know, she's been paying for coaches and men- business mentors her entire life. And then people treat it like it's luck. Well, she has taken the time to invest in people that have more knowledge than she does that can really take her by the hand and um, help her go faster in her journey. Well, and that's one of the questions we, we said we were going to answer at the outset was, what is a mentor? And, and maybe not the dictionary definition, but what, what really is a mentor? Well, uh, I will turn it around to you and let you answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you were kind of talking about it with your coaches. Is she hired people that, that had more knowledge than her, right? You're you're looking for somebody who is a mentor. A mentor is somebody that's going to provide you information that you don't have right now. They're going to point you in a direction that you want to go and they're going to start to show you the way to get there. Whether that's um, formally, like a, a relationship, personal relationship that you have or informally through podcasts, books, uh, presentations, you know, YouTube shows, TED Talks, whatever. I think that if you identify like with her, your coach, I think is a great example. She got around people that were good at what they did in something that she wanted to do yeah. and, and said, okay, I just want to learn from you. What do you do? How do you do this? What are ways that I can improve? And then started to learn. Now I don't know your coach. I haven't met her, but I'm, I'm assuming these things happen um, in those coaching meetings. But I, for me, I think a mentor can be anybody who leads in an area of life uh, in a direction that you want to go and you can glean some type of, of uh, benefit or information from them. Yeah, so I'd piggyback on that by saying uh, often it's someone further along the journey. Usually it's someone further along the journey than you are um, when we're talking specifically about a mentor. And it's someone with more experience. And I would also add, I heard a tip a while ago, can't remember where I heard it, but just one of the things that's important in looking for mentors is making sure that there's like a values match. So this should be someone's life that you look at that you say, I would love to have my life look more like their life um, in some particular way. But having a good foundation of a values match will give you more chemistry Um, The relationship that you have with a mentor is really, really important. In fact, it can be predictive. There's a lot of research on um, 
uh, psychology relationships and coaching relationships that the relationship and the chemistry that you have with this person is predictive of the success of that relationship. So it makes sense. Like if you don't get along with this person, no matter how much you admire them, it's not going to foster this uh, great growth experience for you. So um, now that we've talked a little bit about what a mentor is, Let's, uh, Clint, how do you identify with a mentor and how do you start to connect? How would somebody start to connect with them? Well, I think the first part of that is observation. And I, I think you, you kind of talked about it just with your, your answer there and how, what is a mentor. Um, you pay attention to somebody's life. So if somebody is great in business and they're absolutely miserable at parenting and miserable at, at uh, marriage and, you know, is out of shape and the rest of their life is complete disaster. It's possible that you could learn something important from them in business, but you probably don't want to learn too much from them in the way of balancing a life, right? They've committed their life to being successful in business at the cost of everything else. So that's the first thing I do is I pay attention to somebody's life as much as I can. You know, I, I, I have never, well, I can't say I've never met Dave Ramsey personally. I've met him personally. He wouldn't know me from Adam. We've shaken hands uh, a couple times, but, but I look at a Dave Ramsey and the impact he has and the things that people say about him personally and I think, okay, that's that's somebody that can be a mentor. Now, again, I haven't met him personally. So the second part of that question is how do you connect with them? Well, there's a good chance I'm never going to get the chance to sit down and, and have a coffee with Dave and pick his brain. But I can listen to his show every day if I want to. I can read his books. I can read his blogs. I can be involved in his culture. Um, and that's how I can be mentored by him. So it's not always a personal connection. Now, if I see somebody at church or I meet somebody in a small group or in a, uh, one of my business networking groups, and I think, gosh, this guy is really dialed in or this gal is really dialed in in this area, uh, then it's really just up to me to kind of get over myself and reach out and say, hey, can I take you to coffee and just pick your brain on, on a few things? Um, and not, I, I think I shared this with Chris Hogan. <laughs> uh, it was really embarrassing. I was trying to learn. I, I had just learned about mentors and the power of mentors. And so I took my pastor out for coffee at the time. And I said, Hey, I'd really like you to mentor me. And, uh, and he just kind of looked at me like, okay, well, in what aspect of life? I'm like, I don't know. Just, I want you to be my mentor. And <laughs> You know, I think I kind of had in my mind like this whole Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, like he's just going to show me the ropes and pretty soon I'm going to be doing backflips and, and uh, playing with, with my your lightsaber. lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, instead, he just kind of posed the question like, I'm happy to meet with you, but what do you want to accomplish in, in our meetings? And that uh, that was a good kind of segue into me learning. Mentoring isn't necessarily a formal process, but it, it took uh, him saying that for me to define what am I really looking for with my time uh, with this man? Yeah. And I, I would, uh, I love what you said about being kind of watching someone's life and being careful about who we follow. And I really think that's important because in the last episode that you and I recorded, we drew upon a lot of the psychology research that shows that our environment 
is such a powerful factor in shaping our behavior. So we need to be intentional about placing ourselves in the right environment. So we've got the environment. Uh, we know that friends and the, and the connections we make, the people we hang around is a part of our environment. And I would add mentors as like the third layer to that, which is why we're doing this episode, because who we look at and who we watch determines who we become. Mm. So who we look at and who we watch will determine who we become. So it's really important to, um, by all means, get out there and ask people some good questions and try to connect and develop some mentors. But at the same time, being discerning, being watchful, being careful about the folks whose lives we do pattern ourselves after. Yeah. And it, it actually, it struck me when you were sharing your story at the beginning about how you didn't have a lot of great mentors in your life early on. And then you started to get some later in life. Was there a time or or was there a kind of a light bulb moment where you went, man, I'm not really where I want to be. And I'm, I kind of like what that guy has going on over there. Yeah, I would say there were there were a couple of bosses that I had in my life um, when I first got out of graduate school, probably a few professors in graduate school at Azusa Pacific, where these were just amazing people. They were funny. They were real. They became psychologists because they wanted to be in a healing profession where they were really um, being God's hands and feet and helping people um, who were really struggling and really hurting. So I had some wonderful mentors there, but I would say it's only been like really recently where I've thought about, okay, there are these people that I I want my life to look more like their life. And so being more intentional about really seeking out those people. And uh, one of the things I think you were going to share too, is when people identify those folks how, and they, they've now met with them, they've, they've connected with them. How do they continue to best leverage that relationship in their life? Or how do they get the most out of a mentoring relationship? Yeah, I think, um, I think the, the biggest thing is to understand and define for yourself what you're hoping to get from them. What are you, what are you specifically trying to learn from them? And uh, as an example, just yesterday, I met with a young man from church. He's a youth pastor at my church. He might even be listening to this episode. So James, if you're listening, buddy, I appreciate you. You're awesome. Um, but he reached out to me and he's, he said, Hey, I have some questions about opening a business. And I know you started your business a couple of years ago and you're doing pretty well. Um, can I meet with you? Just ask you some questions. So I said, absolutely. So uh, first of all, I said, I'm not sure I have enough gray hair or wisdom to pass on, but I'll be <laughs> I'm happy to pass on whatever I've learned. Um, uh, don't look too closely there, Parker. You got, do, yeah, you know, I'm not going to – you get to look at how much gray hair I have, so don't talk to me about gray hair. Um, but, but if I was going to draw a model for what somebody could do in one of these relationships, uh, I would point to exactly what he did. He set the appointment. He confirmed the appointment. He showed up on time. He had a list of questions – and the questions were so impressive. They were not questions to make me feel good about me. They were questions that he wanted, truly wanted the answers to, and we're going to benefit him. Mm. And, but they were relatable to my business, right? So it was like, hey, uh, in fact, one of his questions, I don't think he'd mind me sharing, was what happens on those days when you're having doubts? When business isn't going the way you expected, you know, do you have those days? What is it like when you have those days? What do you do to pull out of those days? 
And I think, gosh, if I didn't have people in my life speaking into my life as mentors in the last couple of years, I would have thought there was something wrong with me when I had those days. You know, I thought that was such a great question because I've leaned on people who are far more experienced than me when I've had those days. And so it's pretty cool to be passing on that same wisdom to him um, from mentors that I've had in business. And I just, I thought that was such a great way to leverage the relationship was to come prepared. He knows exactly what he, what he's hoping to get from his time with me. And then uh, we just have a more natural organic conversation, but we're heading down the road that, that he's hoping to, to get from. Well, James, I haven't met you, but you are a stud if you're approaching people with thoughtful questions and being prepared and on time. And I have a follow-up question for you too, Clint. What did it feel like for you to be approached by someone that was really curious, uh, very reliable, very intentional with this process and sought you out? Well, at first I thought he was joking when he asked (laughs) if he could... Uh, kind of coach under me. And I, I said, well, I don't know what I'd coach you on, but I'm happy to talk to you. Um, I guess it was kind of like a, a moment where I felt like I've shifted gears a little bit because I've always been in that learning, growing, learning from other people. And so it was really humbling to have somebody really honoring to have him call and say, hey, can I, can I just learn something from you? Uh, so I thought that was really a fun, humbling process. Um, and I just was so impressed with him. I I just thought, man, this get, this kid's going to fly past me in the next five years. Um, and I am, if I could have five minutes of of influence in his life, and I'm pretty excited to do that. <laughs> yeah. So transitioning into some of the takeaways that people can have now that we've talked about what is a mentor, how do you identify and connect with one, and what's the best way to leverage a mentor? Here are some takeaways that we have for people. So I would say the step one is humbling yourself. I once heard Daniel Harkavy, a very uh, well-known executive coach. He's one of my heroes. He said, you actually have to allow yourself to be coached. And it is a funny thing how you and I have both talked about our ego can step in and say, I don't want, you know, I know better than this person. I don't know if I agree with that. And so humbling ourselves in order to ask somebody else to kind of take a a leadership role, a guidance role in our life. That humility part is so important. We have some folks on my um, team that we've worked with that they just reject advice. They don't want to raise their game. They don't want best practices in what we're doing. And those people do not grow. Like their growth is really stunted because their ego is in the way. So step one, humble yourself. Step two is having the courage to ask. So I love your example of James who asked you to meet with him because what one thing that John Maxwell talks about is he says, we often really underestimate people's desire to pass along knowledge. And all the psychology research shows that this is like a fundamental human need. Like if people get to pass on their wisdom and learning from life to another generation, it's like an inborn uh, urge or desire for us to do that. And we often underestimate that. So people you're looking at may be more willing than you think that they are to meet with you for coffee and pass along their knowledge. You don't have to ask them just, hey, will you be my mentor like you talked about, but just let's go to coffee. I'd love to learn some things from you and bring some questions you think that they would enjoy answering because people love to answer questions. 
The third thing is look for a values match. We talked about this already. Like your chemistry with someone is going to be predictive of how well that relationship or how, how much you benefit from that mentoring relationship. So kind of making sure your values are aligned, um, knowing that you want, if you're looking at someone, you're going to want to pattern your life after them. So it should be somebody that you'd like your life to look like what their life looks like. So having a values match is really key and making sure you're, you're selective. But the other piece of that is, and you mentioned this already, number four is no mentor is perfect and is going to have like every single part of their life in perfect working order. Um, You do want to be selective and careful, but we don't want to get hung up on looking for someone to be either the perfect mentor or a a mentor in every area of life. So uh, that leads us into the fifth point, which is we should get different mentors. I think we both mentioned today that um, I've had a marriage mentor, I've had a spiritual mentor, I've had business mentors and professional mentors, coaching mentors. So having these different people in our lives is important. We don't have to, you don't have to get every single thing from only one person. Um, The other piece is that sometimes there's a season to it. Like there's a natural season, it comes to an end. So just appreciate what you got and kind of let it go and look for the next one. Uh, The next one, number six, is thinking local and global. So it could be that you've got somebody at your business or work or your church that stands out that you want to learn from, but don't limit your pool and your uh, ideas about mentoring to that. Um, I heard some great advice a few years ago that said people can, you can get mentors through now through a podcast, through a mastermind group, through coaching, through uh, someone's book, through an online course. You can get bits and pieces of this mentoring in many different formats these days, and it's never been more widely available. So if you really want to up your game, um, get creative and look for some ways to do that. And the the last thing, um, number seven is, maybe you want to go out and get a paid mentor. When I first heard this idea, I thought, what paid mentor? And then I thought, well, how badly do I really want to grow? If you want to grow badly enough and you see the investment and how valuable that could be, then you might be willing to pay for a mentor or coach and somebody to help you accelerate, put, you know, pour rocket fuel on um, whether it be your marriage or your spiritual life or a business endeavor that you have. I think that's an important point. I think if if you look at even just, you know, sports coaching, you might be able to just play in a league and learn from a coach. But if you really want to get great at, say, baseball, you're going to hire a special coach to help you with your swing or your throwing or your footwork or anything like that. And uh, and sometimes it costs money. And I, I didn't uh, – I struggled with that concept for a long time about – paying somebody for that until I realized what the true investment was and uh, in the return on that investment and paying a coach that's going to help you get where you're going and they have the tools to get you there and to hold you accountable in the process. So I, sometimes I think, you know, these, these great relationships that you can build over coffee are wonderful and you can glean all kinds of incredible uh, nuggets of wisdom but when you're on a path for growth, to steal uh, Alex Judd's uh, <laughs> line, but when you're when you're truly trying to grow, uh, when you've got skin in the game, you're paying attention, right? You've paid money, you're paying attention to the time, you're purposeful at the time, and you're actually working through the exercises instead of it just being a casual relationship. 
Yeah, there's actually another psychological mechanism there called sunk cost bias, which says that we're more likely to value things we paid for. So if you put money into a mentoring relationship, you're going to put, you just naturally, you're going to put more energy into that, which is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, sir. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode number 34, unless you've got some final thoughts. No, just the, um, on my blog, on my website, which people have in the show notes, it's leadyoufirst.com. I've got an article on this. So if you want more on that, you can go there for free resources and read the article. Awesome. Hey, thanks for joining us today for episode number 34. We are coming down to the end of season two. We're going to wrap up with uh, Hank is rejoining us, actually. If you listen to episodes number 25 and 27, he's coming back by popular demand, and he better be ready. (laughs) I've been talking to him for a couple weeks. He is totally jazzed and excited to come and share some leadership uh, pillars with us. So I'm excited for that interview. It'll be in a week from now. And then uh, Dr. Houston and I will wrap up with episode 36 and we'll be on a little bit of a break, but Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We love the support and the encouragement. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please download, subscribe, share it with a friend and leave us a review. The more reviews we get the help, the more it helps us with uh, Apple, Google and the other podcast platforms. So until next time, guys, uh, keep climbing your next peak. (laughs) 